try my best. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about hope this morning. Um, and just so I know who I'm talking to, if there's ever been a time when you could say, I really need hope, if, there's, if you've ever gone through a season when you felt hopeless, or maybe you're in a time right now when you say, I need a little hope, can I just get a wave at me so I know who I'm talking to? Yes, I thought so. Hope is one of those words that we just like to throw around. We throw it kind of like love. We throw, we throw hope around. We just, uh, I'll give you an example. Like, let's say, for instance, you know, one of your friends calls you on the telephone, and, and you can hear that they're coughing and hacking, and they're like, man, i got the flu. I'm sick. I'm, I'm, I'm coughing, and I got all this stuff going on, and you're like, man, I hope you feel better. Don't do that to me. <laughs> At least pray for me. What I'd rather you do is pray for me while you're on the way to my house with some chicken and dumplings to help me feel better or bottle of NyQuil or something. Are you you're sitting across a table from somebody and they're telling you about their marriage that's falling apart and, and, and you, you walk away from that conversation. Man, I, I hope, it all, hope it all works out. See, hope really, the, the hope we talk about mostly is really just, just wishful thinking. Maybe this will help illustrate what I'm talking about. Um, many of you that know me know that I'm frequently trying to do new things to try to increase my health or try to exercise more. I've got a treadmill that's got like a mile and a half on it. I've had it six years. Jill Aaron tried to buy it from me one time. I'm like, no, I'm getting on it. It's my, I'm going to. Yeah, I hadn't used it since I told her that a year and a half ago. So I thought it'd be a great idea to buy a bicycle. I'm going to buy a bicycle, and on the days that I work here at the church, I'm going to ride back and forth to church from my house. I don't live too far from here. So I thought, hey, that'd be a great way to get some exercise. And my son, Matthew, was like, Dad, I love you, but don't try the first day to ride all the way to the church. He said, ride around right around the neighborhood. And I'm like, okay, that's good. That's good advice. And so I bought the bike last Monday and I got on it, got my stupid little helmet. They don't make those helmets for watermelon sized heads like I've got. It's, it just looks goofy, but I just resigned to the fact that I'm just going to look goofy. I got my helmet on, got my little water bottle and I took off. There's this hill in my subdivision and no kidding, my neighborhood calls it cardiac hill. There's a reason. So I I labor and I get to the top of Cardiac Hill finally. And I'm like, okay, I made it. I made it. And so I'm coming back down the hill. And it's a lot easier going down than it is going up. And I thought, well, I'll just see how far I can go. So I leave my subdivision and kind of turn left. And and, uh, there's things that you notice on a bicycle that you do not notice in a car. Like, for instance, I'm going out of my subdivision and it's, it's quite easy because it's just slightly downhill. And so I ride and ride and ride. And I'm like, okay, well, it's been nice. I'm going to turn around and go back. But how many know that the reverse of downhill (laughs) is uphill? And so I begin to pant and labor and just, I, I haven't breathed like that in a long time. I finally get back into my subdivision, and even going toward my house, the last few, you know, couple hundred feet are uphill, and my legs, y'all, 
And, and I get to like 70 feet from my house and literally could not put any more pressure. I had to get off the bike and walk it. And in that moment, I stopped and I thought, I sure hope nobody sees me. Now, how many know God's got a sense of humor? Because I no more got that thought out of my head than this whole family on bicycles. Little kid, slightly bigger kid, and mom just right past me. And the little kid kept looking at me. And, and I know what he wanted to say. He wanted to say, dude, they make training wheels for that thing. I know that's what he wanted to say. So, I hope nobody sees me. Hey, do me a favor. Put a pin in that story right there, because I'm supposed to stop the story right there, but I don't want to. I want to tell you the rest of the story like we were sitting at lunch. Can I do that? So, can you put a pin right there? Hope nobody sees me, little kid. Training wheels, you got, you, you got the pin in it right there. Okay, so I finally get home. I finally get home, and I, those of you that have been in my house, we got a lot of stairs in my house, and, and I couldn't... I, Y'all, I couldn't climb my stairs. I am not even kidding. I, I couldn't climb my stairs. And, I mean, and Donna was like, honey, are you dying? I'm like, leave me alone. Just let me wallow up the stairs. How quickly can they deliver one of those chairs that climb the stairs for me? So I get up there, and here's what I do. I, I think, well, I'm going to text my good buddy Brian. Because Brian was in the health club industry for years and years and years. Because I know that he will give me encouragement. I was wrong. I have been the butt of jokes at the Duffy house all week. I want to read to you a text I got last night. Not about, by the way, they don't call me Dwayne anymore. I am Lance. Sending me pictures of Lance Armstrong. So I'm talking to Brian last night, listen, about nothing that has to do with bicycles. And he, answer, and he texts me back and he says, Brody just handed me my phone and said, Hey, Daddy, Jelly Legs is texting you. <laughs> Hope nobody sees this. Hope. I hope I'm around when Brody has his first date. <laughs> Tell him I said that. Hope. See, that kind of hope, listen, that kind of hope really doesn't do a whole lot, does it? That's just kind of out there in the clouds, just kind of wishful thought. So here, here's the question I'm going to ask you. This morning on Easter Sunday 2015, what are you hoping for? What do you Hope happens in your life, in your family, in your world. Are you hoping for a better job? You hoping for financial freedom? You hoping that somehow your marriage, your relationship gets fixed? Are you hoping that your kids stay out of jail and become, you know, decent citizens? Are you hoping for health? What are you hoping for? I even left you a little room there in your bulletin. You can jot it down. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Here's what Webster says hope is all about. 
Webster says hope is the feeling of wanting something to happen and thinking that it could happen. The feeling of wanting something to happen and thinking that it could happen. Let's see what God's Word says about hope. If you've got your Bibles, Romans 15 and 13, it's in your bulletins. If you don't have your Bible with you, it'll be up on the screen behind me. I do want you to, to follow along and read with me. Romans 15 verse 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, on this Easter Sunday morning, we commit the next few moments to you. God, would you open your word to us? Would you teach us more about who you are and the hope that you bring? In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, write this down. God is the source of hope. We just read it in the text. I pray that God, the source of hope. In fact, I want you to repeat with me. Do this with me. Say, God is the source of hope. Now, I would like you to say it like your next meal depends on it. God is the source of hope. Now, we're going to do it one more time, and your next meal really does depend on it, because I'm not going to shut up until you say it really, really loud. God is the source of hope. Here's why I wanted you to repeat that, because we tend to put our hope in things. Is that right? Is that true? Do you agree with that? We tend to put our hope in things. Maybe you've placed your hope in your career, in your retirement account, in your education, in your marriage, in your friends, in your family. But here's the problem with that. If we place... Now, now I, I tried real hard to come up with a more clear way to explain what I'm going to say. So just going to stay with me for a second. If we place our hope in something... Something will always need something else to create an illusion of hope. I'm going to say that again, I'll tell you what I mean. If we place our hope in something, something will always need something else to create an illusion of hope. If I've placed my hope in my career and my position is eliminated, hope is gone. You with me? If I place my hope in my marriage, and she finally gets sick of me and walks out the door, my hope is gone. You, you with me? If, if I place my hope in friends and they find new friends, then my hope is gone. So instead of our placing our hope in something, I want you to place your hope in someone. And this someone is enough all by himself. He doesn't need something else. He's enough all by himself. See, uh, let, let me see if I can explain it like this. Somebody told me once that I was a moron. Well, more than once. Somebody told me that I was a moron. They told me that I was a moron because I believed in the creation story. That I believed that the world came to be just as we read in the Genesis account. And they said, if you really believe that, you're a moron. I'm like, well, I'm a moron then because I believe it. I believe that God spoke this world into existence. See, what he would rather me believe is that somewhere billions of years ago, all of the nothingness collided in a big bang. 
And then all of that nothingness that collided at just the right time and at just the right moment and just the right temperature, all of that nothing colliding together created matter. And that matter began to create more matter. And that matter began to evolve. And now billions of years later, here we sit at LifePoint Church, listen to me go on about my bicycle story. That's moronic. Here's why, here's why there's no hope there. Because you, of all the theories you've heard, you've never heard someone explain to you what was on the other side of nothing. What was on the other side of that big bang. See, if, if you've been at LifePoint the last few weeks, we've been doing this, this series called Ribbon and the Rope. And it's all about this. The, the rope represented eternity past and eternity present. And the, the ribbon, the little bitty ribbon we tied in the middle of the rope represented our 70, 80, 90, 100 years that we live on this planet. And here's the deal. If we put our hope in something instead of someone, all of our hope is inside that ribbon. All of our hope is inside what happens between the time we breathe our first, and then when we breathe our last. It's all inside that tiny little ribbon. But if you put your hope in someone, he is from everlasting to everlasting. My hope extends far beyond when I drew my first breath, and it will extend far beyond when I breathe my last. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. And righteousness. So what's on the other side of that big bang? Just more nothing. But here's what I believe God, God said. He spoke into... Now, here's, here's the problem. You and I can't even grasp nothing. Because if I tell you to imagine nothing, you imagine an empty sky, don't you? But Genesis tells us the sky wasn't even here. Now that's nothing. And, and with these words, nothing became something. When God said, let there be. Let there be light. And there was light. Let there be breath. And, and there was breath. And let there be. And he just began to stars and moons and earth and sky. With his words, he breathed, let there be. And here's what I want you to grasp with me this morning. The intensity that you seek God at God's activity in your life rises and falls with your need for hope. Let me see if I can explain. In times of calamity, we'll look to God much more than we'll look to Him in times of calm. So let me tell you, if you're telling me that your next 12 months exist of 10 months on a beach in Cancun, you, you know, with a little fruity drink with an umbrella and, you know, a cabana, maybe this deal isn't for you. Maybe today, I don't know. But I have a feeling that many of us in here have experienced, or get ready for this, will experience a desperate need for hope. If you're not there now, there, there may come a time. There may come a time, and, and I'm, not, I'm not a prophet of doom, but I'm just, I, I live in the real world. There may come a time when your 
you got more month than you do money. Has that ever happened to anybody? Like every month? There may come a time when the doctor looks at you and says, like, like they've been looking at, at Jana and Anthony, and we don't know what's wrong. I have a feeling that there are those who have walked in this room on this Easter Sunday morning in a time of need, in a time of crisis, in a time that might appear hopeless. Here's what I want you to hear. Only God can speak to the hopeless nothingness in our lives and say, let there be hope. See, only God can speak to the hopeless nothingness of a dead, dying marriage and say, let there be hope. Only God can speak to the hopeless nothingness of of an awful diagnosis and say, let there be hope. Only God can look to the bottom of your hopeless nothingness of an addiction and say there's hope let there be hope only God can do that let there be hope in fact our text said that he will listen he will fill you completely how much is left if he fills you completely if he fills you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Let me stop right there. What happens when you blend this hope that comes from God with a trust that he is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do? What happens there? We just read it. It will overflow with confident hope. We might call that faith. See, there's a difference between a wishful thinking hope and a confident hope. And it might look like this. I, last week, I talked to my dad. And I hoped they'd be able to come this morning. I hoped that they would be able to come to LifePoint this morning. And then yesterday, I got a phone call. We're coming. See, at that point, it went from a wishful thought to a confident assurance that he, my dad's one of those guys that if he says he's going to be there, he's going to be there. It, it went from a wishful hope to a confident hope. Now look at this. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he wants to do in you and me. He wants to do such a work in you and me that hope overflows. Why why do you need hope to overflow? How many of you know depression and defeat are contagious? How How many of you got somebody in your office or in your school that you avoid because you know Especially on Monday morning. Oh, I don't want to be here. Well, I don't want you to be here. But the reverse is true. People that live, not with some wishful thinking hope, but people that live in the confident hope that God's got a plan and will do what he said he'd do and is who he says, that's contagious. And if you'll let the Holy Spirit cause you to overflow with that kind of hope can i tell you it'll it'll drip over to people and they don't even know it you become contagious and 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 people i don't know why i like being around ezekiel i just like being around ezekiel it's because the hope of the holy spirit lives in his heart and it overflows oh that's what i anybody want that for your own life anybody 
all both of you. Hallelujah. That's awesome. All right. So, Dwayne, what does all this have to do with Easter? I am glad you asked. Because at the onset of this message, I gave you a definition from the dictionary for hope. I, I told you that Webster said that hope was the feeling of wanting something to happen and thinking that it could happen. And I want to tell you that Webster is wrong. That's a pretty bold thing to do, isn't it? I mean, he is Webster. Webster's wrong. Hope isn't a feeling. Hope isn't a thought. Hope is a person. And hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. The hope that Jesus brings goes far beyond wishful thinking. The hope that Christ brings isn't some abstract, wannabe feeling that leaves us quickly as it came. The hope that Jesus brings is a bedrock that you can trust, that you can stake your life, your eternity, your forever in. How can Jesus help? Because he was there at that moment. When God said, let there be the first time, he, Jesus was there. We read in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then skip down a few verses to verse 14. It says, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He made His dwelling among us, and He lived on this earth, and He breathed our air, and He walked our dirt for 33 years, and He served, and He taught, and He loved, and He gave, and He healed, and then He died. And hope was gone. Those that had followed and that had, had walked away from their families. Those that had, had laid down their careers to follow this Nazarene carpenter who said he was something. Looked at a tomb and a seal and said, what were we thinking? Hope is gone. Peter watched him die. But here's what you need to know. If, if hope... If hope can speak to nothing and make it something, it can speak to death and make it live again. And I just need you to hear me. If you walked in this building and you're facing trial and circumstance and depression and addiction and, and you're facing heartache and loneliness and you're facing all of the junk this world has to throw at you. I know a Jesus that with his voice can speak into your life and from death come to life. In fact, listen, 
you got, you got to let me just read this story. I love this story. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they may go anoint Jesus' body. At that point, hope was gone. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, see, this proves hope was gone. Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Hope was dead. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed. He said, listen, you were looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Just like he spoke this world into existence. Just like the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead, He can speak into your circumstance. Whatever this world has thrown at you, He can speak. Because listen to me. The worst thing this world can throw at you is death. And Jesus beat it. How do I know? Romans 8 and 11 tells me the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from, oh, somebody, somebody needs to get this this morning. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. See, I don't hope in something. I hope in someone and His name is Jesus. And He is very much alive this morning. So if that's true, if that's true, Cancer can't take my hope. If that's true, divorce can't take my hope. If that's true, poverty and persecution and snotty people on the expressway can't take my hope. We live not just for these few years that we're on this planet. Our hope extends so far beyond that. Listen, we've been talking a lot about heaven. This Wednesday night, we're going to be talking about hell in our adult growth group. I know you're all excited about that. But can I tell you? I, I don't worry about that stuff. I don't worry about going to hell. Not because, well, Dwayne, you're a preacher and you got pieces of paper on your wall that... No, it's because my hope's not in my career. My hope's not in my church. It's not in my denomination. It's not in my ordination. My hope is in the blood of Jesus that was shed for me, and he lives forever. And here's what, Don's going to come, and we're going to pray together. And and here's, I'm going to tell you how I prayed for you this morning. If I tell you, how I prayed for you, will you promise not to try will you promise to try not to get offended with me? If I tell you honestly how I prayed for you, will you promise to try not to get offended with me? Okay, I'm gonna tell you anyway. I walked I walked these aisles and I touched every one of these chairs. Because I know who's gonna be here. And truthfully. This is not new information for anybody in this room. 
You've heard the story of the cross. You've heard the story of the resurrection. You know who Jesus is. I'm not sure that that's a great place to be. Because here's what's happened. We've heard that story. We've, we've seen the cool little pictures of the stone rolled away so many times. Now, you'd never say this, but here's what we think. It's just not that big a deal. I've seen that. I've, we've been down that road. Man, come on. We've got to go to Cracker Barrel. It's called apathy. It's called believing in something, but just not really caring that much about it. Here's what I'm going to pray. I, I prayed for this morning. Is that those of you that might be here. <laughs> and you say, Dwayne, there was a time when I followed Jesus closely. I wanted his will and purpose and plan in my life. But you know, I've started putting my hope in other things. Some of you say you put your hope in your career and in your bank account. I don't know. But you've grown a little cold toward this message of the cross in an empty tomb. Or maybe you're here and you've heard this story over and over and over again. But maybe this morning there's been a little tug at your heart. Let me tell you what that little tug is. That little tug is the Holy Spirit. And He's drawing you. That little tug is the most gracious, loving tug that's ever existed. And it's the Holy Spirit of God drawing you to Himself. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray for you this morning. On this Easter Sunday morning. This glorious, wonderful Easter Sunday morning. Before I do that, here's what's going to happen. Donna's going to, Donna's going to sing. And I want you to listen to the words of this song. If you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you not to sing along this morning. I just want you to listen and absorb this message. Thank you, Lord. You spoke and words were formed. You breathed and life was born. You knew that one day you would come. So far from heaven's throne, clothed in human form, you showed the world the Father's love. You gave, you gave your life away. You gave, you gave your life away. You gave, you gave your life away for me. Your grace has broken every chain. My sins are gone, my debt's been paid. You gave, you gave your life away for me.
you to be honest with me for just a moment. Hey, today could be a real significant day in your life. Today could be a real significant day in your eternity. So I just wonder if you're here and, and you'd say, Dwayne, I need to put my hope and my trust in Jesus. Hey, if that's you, all I need you to do is just make eye contact with me so I know who I'm going to pray for. Amen. 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 Maybe you'd say, Dwayne, I'm a Christian. I know it. But I've put my hope and my trust in a thing instead of someone. I've put my hope in my career. I put my hope in my education. I put my hope in my family, in my marriage, in my job. But today, I sense the Spirit of God calling me to put all of my hope in Him. Jesus said it like this, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All these things would be added to you. If that's you, just, just kind of wave your hand in the air so I know who I'm praying for. Amen. Amen. Here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to listen to me very carefully. You guys know me. You know I wouldn't embarrass anybody for any reason. But I want to pray for you. So if you're here and you raise your hand, you made eye contact with me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to right now, I want you to step out of your seat. And I want you to come and kneel around these altars and we're going to pray for you. I want you to do that right now. Amen. 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 This is why we open the doors this morning. So that men and women and teenagers could recapture hope. Not hope in something. Hope in someone. If you're here, you're on the prayer team, you're on the leadership team, and you can get get up here, I would love for you to come help me pray for these that are in these altars. (laughs) 
Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name. Hey, if you're here, I, I, I know it's Easter Sunday, but would you take a moment and maybe just stretch your hands toward these altars and let's, let's let God do a work. Would you help me pray for these that have, have come and, and are seeking a hope? Would you, would you do just that? Father, in Jesus' name, meet every need. God, we've put our hope in something. And today we put our hope in someone. And his name is Jesus. God, we believe that every addiction, God, every hindrance, every frustration, every doubt, every depression is subject to Jesus' name. And so it's in his name that we pray that every need is met in Jesus' name. Every hurt heart is met in Jesus' name. Father, we surrender our lives in Jesus' name to the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, if you're in these altars praying, I want you to listen to me. Here's what it takes. Surrender. See, I'm going to... I'm going to give you a prayer and you can pray it with me. If you'll mean it from your heart, here's what will happen. The Bible says that he'll cover you with his blood and he'll make you a new creature. He'd say, Father, I need you and I believe in your son, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of putting my hope in something instead of you. But today I put my hope and my trust in Jesus and the God of this universe. And today I surrender my life to you, God. I'm not playing any games anymore. I'm surrendering to you. I live for you. I'll work for you. I'll follow you until the day I see you face to face serve you. Now God these that are here I want you to fill them like we read in your word to overflowing with joy and peace and secure in their hearts a confident hope make them contagious for Jesus Hallelujah Thank you God for what you're doing in this altar today What a good God you are Thank you Jesus
Now what ought to happen now is Life Point Church ought to erupt in an explosion of praise for what God has done. leave you with this scripture. It's in your bulletin. It's my life verse. God said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Happy Easter. Have an awesome, awesome, awesome day. Hey, I do want to say this one thing. If you're here this morning, you made a new commitment to Christ, you renewed a commitment to Christ, don't leave the building without finding me, finding my wife, finding Pastor Matthew. Um, and, and just The Bible says we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Let us celebrate that with you this morning. God bless you. Have a great, great, great Easter. We start a new series called Red Letters next Sunday morning. We'll see you then.